Day one of paramedic school, they say, look, I'll give you everything in 30 seconds you need to know. Airway, breathing, circulation, ABC. And then they're like, okay, we're going to spend the next, whatever, six months teaching you the ABCs. And it feels like that in the Christian life. It's like, man, it's so basic. In 30 seconds, you can pretty well cover the basics. And yet it's a lifetime of, of doing them. Welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the show that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I'm your host, Reagan Rose. Well, I'm excited to be joined today by Daryl Dash. Uh, Daryl's the pastor of Liberty Grace Church in Toronto, and he's the director of Advanced Church Planning Institute. And he and his wife, Charlene, are the co-founders of, co-founders of Gospel for Life, a Christian resource ministry. And Daryl's also the author of several books, including How to Grow and uh, most recently, Eight Habits for Growth, which uh, if you're on the newsletter, you've probably seen recently. I featured it in a recent issue. So, Daryl, thanks for joining us. It's good to have you. I am so excited to be here. I follow your ministry. And yeah, thanks for having me today. I'm really glad to be here. So um, maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself. I know about your wife, Charlene. You also have two adult children, right? And you're up there in in Canada, just north of me here in Michigan. (laughs) I'm in Toronto, which is, yes, the, the, the place in Canada that probably is one of the better known for Americans. Yeah, I live downtown Toronto, so I look out my window and and I see uh, planes and, and condos and, and not a lot of houses or green stuff, but I'm right in the smack dab center of the city. So, um, so I've been a pastor for 20 years and then the past 10 years have been a church planter. So it's been, I can't believe it, it's been like 30 years of ministry. The past 10 years have been like planting a church in downtown Toronto. Downtown Toronto is a little bit, maybe it makes... Portland or Seattle look like the Bible Belt. So it's been quite a ride to to be here, uh, but it's been a lot of fun to be downtown and primarily working with uh, millennials, uh, Gen Z and and younger people. So it's easy for me to forget that I'm as old as I am because I'm I'm just surrounded by a bunch of young people all the time. It's It's been great. Wow, that's wonderful. And so you planted Liberty? Yes. So about, uh, I thought I was too old to be a church planter and uh, it, it really got under my skin. And then uh, the only reason not to plant eventually became fear. <laughs> so God really dealt with me. It was like, man, that's a really bad reason not to plant a church because everything else was a green light. And yeah, so we planted and it's been, we were told we couldn't plant a church here. Yeah. I was told nobody could plant a church here. That people wouldn't come or that the that there would be problems with getting a church building or what too tough an area like people wouldn't be interested it's too secular uh, too expensive yeah so one guy a good friend of mine actually who's one of the best church planters i know in toronto he said i don't think anybody can plant a church in in this area and definitely you can't plant a church in this area so (laughs) it's a close friend to say something like that (laughs) (laughs) better be a close friend i should say yeah exactly (laughs) but it, it sounds like things are things are going well you've got people coming and you're you're you're, you're ministering there and that's a place that needs it. Absolutely. It is. It's, it's great. And it's been hard. I won't like, we're not um, smashing any records. Uh, I don't think anybody is in Toronto. Like I say, it's just a hard place, but yeah, we love it here. We've seen God work. And um, one of the toughest area, not only is it a tough area, but people move every two years in our area. So it's, it's worse than a, a college campus. Um, but 
you know, that that's where God's called us. So we're, yeah. we're plugging away and, and we've been really encouraged by what God's been doing. Now I get from, from looking at what you write online and looking at, at your, your two most recent books, especially the most rec- recent one, you seem to have a passion for helping people to, to grow. Um, the last two books you wrote were about basically about spiritual growth. Um, and, uh, why is that? I understand it's a pastor to some degree, but I'd love to hear you articulate it. Why is that something that, that is so interesting to you? Why is the process of, of growth something that you've written so much about? I had a really formative moment in Wisconsin. I went to a retreat and uh, it was one of those uh, retreats that were meant for pastors to help them discern the next steps of their ministry. And there was a retired pastor there. He's, he's now uh, passed away, but uh, he was finishing his ministry, and he'd served for, I think, some 40 years in, in pastoral ministry. And so the, I was talking to him one day, and like, what's next for you? You're obviously at this retreat trying to figure out what's next. And he said, I think I'd like to figure out discipleship. And that kind of hit me. It would be almost like an accountant getting to the end, you know, age 65 and retiring and saying, you know, I think I'm going to take a math class and figure this math <laughs> thing out. It just hit me like, I don't want to get to that point where I reach the end and I realized that I'm, I think in ministry, you become really good at, you know, I know how to preach. I know how to uh, administer a church. I know how to run a board meeting. I know how to set a vision. And it's easy to go through all the motions of ministry, but not necessarily have a strategy for seeing people grow. Mm-hmm. So on one side, that was a ministry side. I think on the, the personal side, I watched my wife make a transformation in her physical health. And I began to see a lot of parallels between how she was experiencing change. And I was planning a church. One of the benefits of planting where we are is we're dealing with people who really are early in their walk with God. Mm. And I began to really think, how can I help them experience the same transformation spiritually Mm. that my wife is is experiencing in her life uh, physically? So that got us thinking about, are there transferable principles? And how can I take, I remember looking at somebody walking in the door of the church one day and realizing She's got nothing <laughs> and we're here to help her yeah. even build the base to begin to grow. And that just got me thinking about, man, I got a responsibility not just to to plant a church or run a bunch of services, but really to help these people grow. The book, Eight Habits for Growth, I, I, I love the approach of it where you're it's less like do this one thing that's going to like change your your life forever. Do the, Do this one time, one thing. And this is going to be the big the big breakthrough you're going to have and more about how do you build these, I mean, simple, they're not complex habits into your life so that you become a certain type of person. And I think that's a, it's subtle, but it's a, it's a, it's a mental shift for people. Cause I think a lot of even Christians, you think, you know, I'll go to this retreat or I'll go to this thing or, or there'll be, there'll be some giant wall that I break through. And of course we have moments where God does big things in our lives, but Often it's simply that slow plotting. I think that's, I, I love that approach, the habit type thing. Regan, most times I, I, I look back at my own life and it, it's like you hit these uh, periods of, of rapid growth, but then you hit these plateaus and sometimes even setbacks. I think it was, uh, if I'm uh, not mistaken, Eugene Peterson, who said it's, it's more like, almost like snakes and ladders, right? <laughs> where you make this progress and then you find that you've slipped down a ladder, you know, switchbacks and and that kind of thing. So absolutely, I think we're looking for that breakthrough moment where it's much more like a longer journey with, and looking back, you see the growth, but it's messy and it, it, it really feels sometimes like it's 
slogging daily rather than like this momentous change. So that's why habits are so important, right? They help us uh, help us live in the day to day over the long period of time. Doing small things consistently and imperfectly over a long period of time is better than doing something dramatic once in a while. That yeah. that really doesn't lead to change. I remember when I was uh, my I think it was like the second year of seminary for me and. I was like not doing well, like with my walk with the Lord, I was not doing well spiritually. And you think, oh, you're going to seminary, you're going to learn all this stuff, you're going to learn the Bible. Like, of course, you're going to get more spiritual. I remember talking to some of the other guys and, you know, when I finally got the courage to admit that I was struggling, a lot of the other guys were struggling too. And a common thing um, that I remember I said and a couple other guys said too was, I felt like I was more spiritual and close to the Lord before seminary. And I remember thinking about that. I'm like, why would that be if we're learning the Bible so much? And I mean, at least for me, I think that the issue was to accommodate all the extra study, all the extra things I was doing, I'd actually begun to think that I'd moved beyond some of the basic things of like daily prayer and reading my Bible just to be with the Lord each day. And I thought I could replace it with just study. And, and maybe you could if you did it in the right mindset or whatever, but it was just, it was a wake up call for myself that you can't really move beyond the basics. If you want to walk with the Lord, if you want to grow, there's not there's not this extra upper echelon of if you, you you're going to get past this these normal habits. It's just no matter where you are, you need to be doing them. I have a friend who's a paramedic, and he became a pastor, and he talked to me about the ABCs. That, and he said, day one of paramedic school, they say, look, I'll give you everything in 30 seconds you need to know: airway, breathing, circulation, ABC. And then they're like, okay, we're going to spend the next, whatever, six months teaching you the ABCs. And it feels like that in the Christian life. It's like, man, it's so basic. In 30 seconds, you can pretty well cover the basics. And yet it's a lifetime of, of doing them. And I mean, it's the same in sports. It's in everything, right? You're just working the same basics over and over again and, and gradually building that strength. And so speaking of the basics, what are you lay out? The book's called Eight Habits. What are, the, what are those habits? What are the things you dig into in the book? You know, the first thing that I, people are surprised because the first couple things I do are actually not what they're expecting. Um, the first one, and I think this relates to a lot of what you talk about in your ministry is making time. And in, I know that this isn't a Toronto thing, but I know in Toronto that the way to drive people crazy is to wait for the light to turn green and then just wait, like discount to one second. And you will get people so angry that you you are not going yet. Like people are in a rush. They're so busy. I don't even know that they know where they're going, but people don't have time. And, and we began to realize I got to help people clear away 10 to 15 minutes, at least a day uh, and nothing more than that. Uh, I mean, if you want, you can do more, but at least where I am, if I can get our people to think, okay, can I take 15 minutes a day and begin to build these practices in my life? That's a major win. Um, the next what place I go is rest. And again, people are shocked by that. They're expecting me to say, okay, like, you know, here's a Bible reading plan, go to it. But I think that people are so tired. And I'm, I'm really struck by the fact that God creates Adam and Eve and it's like, okay, what now? And it's like, oh, good news. It's Sabbath. <laughs> you get the rest. They haven't worked or anything. And, it, and God's like, you get the rest. And the invitation, Christ, I think it's such a picture of the gospel, right? Um, God doesn't call us to, he does call us to do stuff, but initially the call is, it's been done for you. Enter into my rest, and out of that rest, you can begin to work. And so I just talk about, man, you gotta, the first two habits are kind of clearing room in your life 
to not just do, but to be, and, and to begin to, um, to build these habits in your life. So they're almost like pre-habits in a way, but they just clear room for people to begin to, to do other things. And then I get to the predictable ones, um, scripture, prayer, uh, participating in the life of the church. And they're so boring. Like, <laughs> I'd like to say that they're sexy, but they're like, we all know we should be doing them. We all know, like, man, I, I almost feel embarrassed to say, hey, I wrote a book on how to grow. Well, what's in there? Read the Bible, pray, and go to church. <laughs> but I'm amazed at how few people are doing it. Yeah. And here's what I've learned. I don't know anybody who's growing spiritually who isn't doing those three things. Yeah. Everyone I know, and, and on the other side, I know a lot of people who feel stuck spiritually. And then you begin to probe their lives. In every case, I found that there's been a breakdown in one of those three areas. Mm -hmm. They've stopped being in the word. Um, they've they've neglected their prayer life or they've they've wandered away from the church. So mm -hmm. I think those are the basics, right? Those are the ones that you just, they're so simple. And then you, you continue practicing them your whole life. Um, I, I kind of take a sideways turn there and talk about the body just because I think we have such a, uh, you know, your passion would line up with this, I think. I think we treat ourselves as disembodied souls yeah. and we don't really realize God created us as embodied creatures. And it's not an accident. In fact, we'll we'll be embodied creatures for eternity, apart from that one really weird period that Paul calls being unclothed. Yeah. It, it's not a good state, <laughs> right? That intermediate state. And we're gonna feel like naked, like, man, I just feel exposed. But otherwise for eternity, God made us with bodies. And, and I think we need to recover a Christian view of the body. And then I wrap up with not just how to make these habits a short-term thing, but how to really integrate them long-term into your life. So. So it's a pretty basic book, kind of taking the pressure off, building the basics, and then looking about how to to do this for the long haul, not just yeah. for the short term. And it's so action oriented too. From the as, as far as I've gotten in it now, it, I just love that. It just you tell you tell people what to do. And I had on as maybe a couple months ago now, um, my friend Joe Bernard. He he runs a ministry where he basically give it's for men but he gives them an, a specific action plan he tells them when to go to bed when to wake up and he said just follow this and get these get these habits in order i remember being struck by that because it sounds so um it's like overly simple but that's the key i think a lot of people you know we procrastinate on these things even though i might know that i need to do some of these things i don't know exactly how do i clear out room for this why is it that i'm running into this wall how do i be consistent and for someone to come along and say do this, follow this plan. Here's how you do it. I just think that's absolutely so beneficial for people. Yeah, people need it. I think of it almost giving people handles. And then when you give them the handles, they can eventually, like I remember driving school, right? And they were so dogmatic about, look, this is the only right way to drive a car, you know, 10 and two and all that kind of stuff. And and the longer you drive, you can kind of go off road. You can, and I mean, not literally, <laughs> you can begin to adapt, right? But I think initially it really helps to have those those very clear guidelines, and then you begin to fit them into your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't you don't start learning to drive with your knee while you're drinking a coffee, eating a sandwich. <laughs> you <laughs> do that you later. There. Yeah, you get there. <laughs> now I'd like to pause and thank the supporters of this show. Redeeming Productivity is supported by people like you. Sort of like PBS, but way lower quality. So if you're benefiting from these resources and would like to help support the work of creating videos, articles, a weekly newsletter, and this podcast, 
consider becoming a supporter of Redeeming Productivity on Patreon. It's my mission to create biblically sound resources to help Christians get more done with their lives for God's glory. Patreon supporters make this show possible, and they also receive special perks like early releases of new episodes, access to an exclusive Discord server of like-minded believers, as well as physical goodies like Redeeming Productivity stickers and notebooks. So if you're interested in supporting Redeeming Productivity, head on over to patreon.com slash redeemingprod to learn more. There's also a link in the show notes, as well as information on how to give a one-time gift if that's more your jam. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening. Yeah, I love the you you mentioned it, but it's it's uh you, the habits you cover are just this great mix of what you might think of as spiritual and more practical habits. And in fact, last season of this podcast, I covered habits and I covered a lot of the same same things and I and I thought very consciously of that mix is uh, I used to do college ministry and that was it was the same sort of thing you always ran into, especially with these college students for the first time they were kind of having to take responsibility for their life and for their time and all that. And they would just ghost you. They wouldn't show up to appointments. They would miss uh, church. They'd miss all these things. And it was because they didn't have like a framework for how to live and manage their lives. And we are real people. We are real humans. And if we don't figure out some of those basic ways of being productive or, or living within the confines of being temporal creatures, we're not going to make time for the spiritual habits are going to help us to grow and we're not going to be useful. It's almost like we compartmentalize our lives and we say, God, you know, this is, this is the spiritual part of my life. And God wants that part of my life. When you look at scripture though, God's concerned for all of it. You know, he wants, um, I, I think when Jesus talks about loving, uh, him with all of us, right. He, yeah. he, he's not really dividing us and saying, okay, with your heart, this part's your heart and this part's your strength. And this part he's saying, I want all of you. I yeah. want your time. I want your marriage. I want your, you know, your sleep. I want your sex life. I want your nutrition. So yeah, I think the call to discipleship is to give God, to love God with all of it. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think as sometimes we, I think even in our churches, we can teach like, almost like compartmentalizing and this is a spiritual part of your life when it's really about all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's related to what you were mentioning, the whole disembodied thing. Like I think there is sort of a, maybe not full on Gnosticism, but this whole, this whole thing that, that just crops up over and over again in the evangelical church where the spiritual is elevated over the physical. And just as you said, I don't think the Bible talks about it. There is a spiritual realm and we have to, that's an important part, but it's, you, you cannot separate the two. It doesn't work. It doesn't, you, you can't actually function that way. I, I talked to Dr. Greg Allison at um, Southern Seminary and he had a, a student come to him and say, man, I'm struggling spiritually. And he began to talk to the guy. It's like, well, tell me about your life. And it turned out the guy was basically living on potato chips and, <laughs> and getting about three hours of sleep a night. And yeah. his life was a wreck and his body, he was getting sick and everything. And he said, I'm really struggling spiritually. What do I do to rekindle my spiritual life? And uh, so Dr. Allison said, I think you need to like revamp your diet and get some sleep. <laughs> and he was so he was offended, <laughs> right? He was so offended because he said, I wanted help with my spiritual life and mm. you're giving me, you know, basic advice. And, and it, Dr. Allison was like, exactly. <laughs> Cause that's what you need. That's the sticking point spiritually for you, for you. So yeah, I think we've got to see ourselves as whole beings rather than just being like souls in this container, right? Um, all of it matters. Our spiritual lives matter, but 
all of our life matters and and they all play against each every part of our life plays against the other parts hmm. what are some uh common sort of mistakes or hang-ups or pitfalls you see for believers who are trying to implement better habits what are, what are the ways you see people kind of um uh, getting tripped up in that. One of the th biggest things I see is that most books on habits are written by people who are really good at habits, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, which is, it's almost like, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's almost like experts writing for other experts. And I, I think the <laughs> Michael danger... Jordan on how to play basketball. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> and, and the problem is most of us are not at that level. And so one of the big things I see is, uh, we we feel defeated. We we read these books, and it's you know re, you got to get up at five in the morning and do your devotions, maybe an hour, and then read the scripture. I think I think we've just got to take the pressure off and realize doing small things is beautiful, and figuring out what works for you is also beautiful. Uh, a few years ago, I I persuaded my wife to do a Bible reading plan, and she did. And she came to me three months later and said, Daryl, you've completely ruined my devotional life. <laughs> she said, I had a rhythm that was working for me. And you kind of, you came along and kind of imposed your, what works for you on me and it destroyed it. And I would say to this day, she's still saying, I ha I'm still working on getting back to where I was before. <laughs> so yeah, one of the big things is um, we've just got to, you're you, there's certain things that we need to do but it's going to look different in all of our lives. Um, mm. So that's a big thing. I, I'll just close with this, uh, this, as I think about the biggest mistake, I once taught on habits and the next session after I taught on habits was a pastor got up eight people at uh, one was, um, you know, a, a mother of twins. Another one was a, uh, a young, you know, medical intern. Another was a retired guy. Another one was like a mid-level executive. And he would turn to them and say, okay, what does this look like in your life? And I loved it because all eight of them, it looked very different, Yeah. but all eight found ways to make it work in their mm -hmm. lives. So I think it's not a one size fits all. We all end up doing the same things, but it's going to look different for all of us. So that's yeah. probably one of the biggest mistakes. I think we just feel like there's only one right way to do it. And then we get discouraged. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. That's one of the things I've, I've had to learn, even as, as somebody who talks about productivity to Christians, that the way I talked about it started to change once I started having kids. And I, you know what I mean? I, I developed uh, an understanding of that not everyone's life situation. Not only, not everyone's a you know dual income, no kids. Not everybody is a is a single person with all this time on their hands. And not everybody is even an, um, has the physical capacity. Some people uh, struggle with disabilities or or other issues or chronic fatigue. And that there is a way to walk with the Lord and be faithful in all of those different situations. And you don't have to look like, you know, whoever the Michael Jordan of, of spirituality would be, um, in, you know, and get up at, at 5 a.m. And, and read the Bible in the original languages and do all that. I like the mother of twins test. Every time I'm preaching, I think, could a mother of uh, a newborn twins do this? Oh, man. And if, if she can't, I think, okay, I'm, I'm being a little bit too dogmatic. I've got to bring it down to, yeah, otherwise I'm just heaping law and condemnation on her rather than, yeah, allowing her to walk faithfully with God in her season of life. Man, that's so good. That's I got to remember that. I was just recently thinking about, you know, Ephesians um, 2.10, which is important verse to me, you know, that, that God has prepared in advance the good works we're to walk in. But that that's that's unique to each person. Like I there, if if he's pre-planned the good works I'm going to do, and he just expects me to be faithful in that, 
it, it kind of eliminates the um, the need to compare myself because I don't have the same I don't have the same calling as every other person. I don't uh, you know what I mean? Every everybody's a little bit different because that's how God's designed us and He's created a, a path for each of us to be on. And yeah, there's there's a rest and a comfort in knowing that. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so Daryl, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and. And talk to you about um, online ministry. We talked a little bit about that at the beginning of this, but you you run a couple of really excellent looking and and content wise sites. You you have Dash House, which is your personal uh, blogging personal ministry, and you have Gospel. I keep forgetting the name. I apologize. Gospel. Um, what is it called? Gospel for Life. Yeah, and you run that with your with your wife Cheryl and. Um, I just the the content you put out is super high quality. The look of everything is great and. Um, I just feel like I have a, a, we have a kindred spirit on some of these things. And I would just love to hear your thoughts on how, how did you get into, in addition to being a church planner, because I'm sure you got a lot on your plate there, how did you get into doing online ministry and how do you think about that? And why is that something you care about? Yeah, I, I just, it, I've always loved writing and uh, pretty earlier on, I was, uh, I remember coming across a couple of bloggers. At, so I've been blogging pretty much almost since the start of blogging wow. and just thought, oh man, there's such a potential here to, I mean, there's, there's two sides of it, right? An outlet for me to write and to try to use the gifts that God has given me to bless others. And the whole thing of, I mean, there's a very selfish element of it in a way. I, I love what Seth Godin says about shipping and just that building that regular discipline of, Every, so every Tuesday, for instance, I just commit, I'm going to put something out every Tuesday. And part of that's for my benefit. I hope it blesses others. But part of it is building that discipline in my life that, yeah, like I'm going to show up and I'm going to use that gift on a regular basis rather than, I, I, it's so easy to just hide and mm -hmm. and to say one day I want to write, but never get around to doing it. But I think the other part is I love um, the relationships that I built through it. Um, I love the sometimes I hear stories of how God has used, you know, a sermon that I posted or a blog post or the encouragement. And I think that's the key, probably the bigger reason now, if, if, if I can do it to help other people, it's really good. Gospel for Life is a little bit different uh, because I think we, uh, I'm a, a bivocational church planter. I work 75% of my time as a church planter. And I'm, I really want to develop that to be like, maybe that could support the church ministry in some way. Yeah. So in a way that would bless the church and, and be helpful for other people, but also turned it into a resource that would be, you know, through speaking or writing or courses or something, something that would um, also just provide leverage in my life to be able to spend more of my time serving the church. So I yeah, I love, I love it. I love the relationships. I love having to show up and keep working on it. So it, it's been a good discipline. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep it up. I, I love it. I love what you're doing. And I know that it's blessing the church. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate your ministry as well. So I can't remember how we came across each other, but you were already on my radar as being like, man, I love what this guy's doing. So it, it's it's neat how we find each other. Well, Daryl, it, it's been a pleasure um, talking through these things. Um, the The book is Eight Habits. What is it called? <laughs> I forget all the time. <laughs> Eight Habits for Growth. And what's the best place for them to get that? Yeah, if, if you want a signed copy, you can go to 8habitsforgrowth.com and either the, it doesn't matter, number eight or spell out eight, it'll take you to the same place. But Moody sells it at a discount. Um, Amazon sells it anywhere where good books are sold. 
Love it. Well, appreciate your time, Daryl. Look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks for what you're doing. <laughs>